Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I'm Caleb Simmons. And I'm Joshua Simmons. We are two brothers who love fly fishing, our families, and our men of faith. But like most of you listening, we're still not experts on any of those subjects. So our hope is to speak with as many people that we believe are experts on these subjects and pose the questions that most of us are asking. So thanks for joining us along the journey as we seek to inspire and encourage dads and anglers as we wade through fishing, fatherhood, and faith on the fly. Coming up on today's episode. Building any company, I don't care what it is, it's it's a fight. It's yeah. it's tough. You you're coming in, you're underfunded, you've got big competitors and a couple ideas. Yeah. Right? Like for sure. What, what gives what gives me the right to bring something new to the fishing market? Like I'm just a another angler. Um but but when you get a purpose like that behind it, like that gets you up in the morning and and you, you go a little longer, I think. That was Mr. Jeff Coffey of Zoe Angling Group coming up on today's episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. Well, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. I am Caleb Simmons alongside my brother, Joshua. Joshua, how's it going, man? Caleb, man, doing great. Let's uh, talk about a couple things before we get into this week's episode. And uh, one of them is, man, what a cool week. We had a first week on YouTube. And if you're watching this on YouTube, here's our... It's going to be just our intro today on YouTube. Uh, this episode we actually recorded before we knew we were going to do the YouTube thing. So uh, you'll just have audio on YouTube this week. But we had a great response. I think we did a great thing of having our wives on the first YouTube episode. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad they were able to do it with us and uh, be a part of it. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. We're on YouTube now and being able to do video, I think it's really neat. And maybe getting another opportunity to get the Dads on the Fly message out there. For sure, man. Then another exciting thing that happened to us this week was uh, our good friend, um, Mr. Tom Rosenbauer, dropped the episode that I was fortunate enough to do with him about Dads on the Fly. And that was pretty cool. That was really cool, man. You did a great job. I was really pleased with how you presented uh, Dads on the Fly to the uh, Orvis community and the people that listen to the uh, Orvis Fly Fishing Podcast with Mr. Rosenbauer. Um, really great interview i think that you were able to do with him yeah thanks for allowing me to do that man i know we uh we thought we were gonna like paper rock scissors or arm wrestle for it <laughs> but uh eventually we just kind of settled on i got the opportunity to do it and i really appreciate it it was a great time just talking to uh tom rosenbauer and he does so much for our community of fly anglers and uh, big props to that show and i hope it'll just do a great job letting everybody understand what we're about here at dads on the fly and as we continue to build this um just excited about where it's going to go yeah, man, it's really great to see it continuing to grow and still can't believe where it's at at this point, but really thankful for all the people who are out there listening and uh, sharing the love and sharing the stories and sharing it with people that you know that might find it entertaining and interesting. Yeah, we appreciate all you guys that have reached out um, even in the last couple of weeks. How about Dads on the Fly? We're just excited to see what happens. We got to hopefully get on the water soon so we can actually be Dads on the Fly because we, <laughs> we're just Dads at the house lately. Uh, we haven't got to do much fishing, but that's coming but super excited about our episodes we've got coming up for the next really two or three months. Um, some really good people that we've already talked to got lined up on the schedule. And so it's excited from all walks of the fly fishing community that we're going to get to talk to. So uh, other than that, man, I think we're ready to get this episode rolling. Well, before we do that, I do want to tell folks if they want to get a little bit more heads up on who's coming up on shows. So maybe they want to ask certain questions about certain things. Uh, we got a rod building series. We're excited to talk I was about in the next that. couple months. And uh, if you want to get 
your questions in to folks that maybe build rods, or we're going to be doing some interviews with some people who are kind of experts in blue lining in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. If you want to get your questions in uh, and you want to be updated on what's coming up for Dads on the Fly, go check out the Patreon. Uh, you can go to patreon.com, search Dads on the Fly, and uh, you'll get some more updates from us that are a little bit more insider and uh, you get kind of the early stuff that the rest of the folks don't get i still so. gotta get to cutting the uh the outtakes for youtube episode one <laughs> i think i'm gonna probably try to work on that this week cutting those outtakes it's pretty pretty entertaining uh the other thing i want to tell everybody is if you haven't yet um go check out our webpage, and you can subscribe to our email yeah. um and that's really cool you did a great job putting together an email about our future shows um some future things that are coming out and we have a couple before we get into this episode last thing i want to mention is a couple of exciting events um number one is on march the 4th we uh i will be you're actually yeah. not going to make that trip but i'm actually going to take our dad yeah so we'll have dads on the fly and we're going to be down at orvis in greenville again um, hanging out with Matthew and the fly fishing community down there. So excited for that. It's going to be middle of the day. They're doing a, like a 101 fly tying class that morning, a 201, I think, fly tying class that afternoon. And uh, we're going to be kind of jam-packed in the middle. So I'm excited to meet everybody down there. If nothing else, come by, swing by Orvis that day, and hang out, um, meet us, uh, you know, just talk about fishing um, and everything that I got going on there. And number two, uh, which we haven't even posted this yet, so we'll just give it to the listeners first. I love if it. If you're local to the area, we are going to have our first live recording. I like it. I'm so, excited. It's going to yeah. be great. We, it may be like our first live, real episode. Maybe <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. But we're planning to do this at the uh, Maggie Valley Fly Shop on March the 16th. That's a Thursday evening. And uh, come by, hang out. We got some more news we're not going to release yet. We're working on this week. Pay attention to the social media channels um, for some announcements. But I think it's going to be an awesome night. We're going to interview um, Mr. Jerry Yates. And, uh, you know, we think it's a great opportunity for us to sit down and talk to Jerry about all of his fly fishing adventures and frogs, Fanny Float. And through that, we're going to just get to hopefully meet some of you guys, come out and hang out. We're going to hopefully have some stickers and some other stuff to uh, to hang out and give away that night. So that's going to be pretty cool. Really excited about that. Lots of great things going on and uh, just really excited for all that's happening with this community that we've kind of been able to, to grow. And so really excited about those events. Well, let's dive into today's episode, Joshua. Today's episode is really special. Uh, we got a chance to interview the founder and CEO of Zoe Angling Group. Um, we found him through the company called Fairflies, yes, and that's uh, a group we've seen some stuff on social media. And uh, I think you listened to a podcast that the that Jeff was on, and you were like, "Man, we got to get this guy on." And when we learned more about his story, I was just blown away. Yeah, it was a real shocking, um, in a good way. Yeah, like we were just kind of blown away where Jeff's story take took has taken him and took him and all the things he's kind of ups and downs of his life and to show his, um, just man, his steadfastness. Is that a word? Steadfastness? Yeah, I like it. That's, that's just what I kind of got out of this episode. So I'm excited to, for our listeners to be able to hear it. Yeah. We do want to let our listeners know, um, Jeff does talk about some sensitive issues, uh, in this episode. Uh, there's some talk about, uh, cause because of what he does and the things that they do at Zoe Anglin group and through Fairflies, um, there's some talk about sex trafficking and things like that. So if you're listening to this, you got younger listeners around, uh, just a heads up for that parents. If you're listening to this with your kids around, um, just know that it's coming, but really excited for everyone to hear our conversations. So let's dive right in to our talk with Mr. Jeff Coffey. Dads on the fly is brought to you by Maggie Valley fly shop. Maggie Valley Fly Shop is your go-to stop in Western North Carolina for all your fly fishing needs. 
Whether you're looking to book a guided trip or you're wanting to go catch some gear that you may need before you hit the stream, hop into Maggie Valley Fly Shop, grab a cup of coffee, get all the gear you need, and go enjoy a great day on the water in western North Carolina. You can also check them out online at maggievalleyflyshop.com. Dads on the Fly is also brought to you by Trout Routes. Joshua, when we are looking for new places to go catch trout, I can think of no better resource to use than the Trout Routes app. It has been an awesome thing to help us find more trout to catch. Yeah, man, whether exploring new water or just being a new angler at all, Trout Routes now includes all of the lower 48 states on their amazing app that can be found anywhere you get your apps. So make sure and download Trout Routes today for all your fly fishing adventures. Well, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dazzle the Fly podcast. I am Caleb, joined alongside by my brother and another special guest that we're going to get to here in just a minute. Joshua, let's hear about our special guest tonight. Well, you know me finding these people in the fly fishing community. I don't like to say industry anymore. I like to say community. But uh, our guest tonight, I found through, I heard about what they were doing, I think through another podcast and then did some research. And uh, man, what was just really touched by what they're able to do with the products they're creating. So uh, tonight we have with us Mr. Jeff Coffee. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, man. So Jeff, Jeff is the uh, founder and CEO of Zoe yeah. Angling Group, uh, or ZAG, and uh, it consists of several different companies. And Jeff, I know we're going to get into all of that here in just a minute, but we were very intrigued by your story and uh, the creation of all of uh, these amazing products and all these great things for fly tying. And then also uh, what you're kind of doing behind the scenes with your company too, is what really uh, made us want to reach out to you and just learn a little bit more about your story. And so um, one of the things that we love to do though, is we love to hear your introduction. We ask everybody on this when they come on our show, uh, we'd love to get your introduction into fishing and it's specifically into fly fishing. Uh, uh, specifically. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. My, my first fish I ever caught was on a Snoopy rod <laughs> in my neighbor's strip cedar canoe and it was a striper in the napa river out of san francisco bay wow a striper and, on uh, a snoopy rod a, a striper on a it was 38 inches and uh <laughs> how, how long did it take was, you to get that thing in on a snoopy rod? man you know like time just seems it, like that thing towed me around in that canoe for a good 45 minutes i mean i tired out way before the fish did but uh we man we got that thing in and uh that was my first I was in the third grade. Uh, fast forward to 17 years old. I get my hands on an old pen fiberglass fly rod. And I decide I'm going back out. And with a big white woolly bugger, I get a, another striper. This time in the in the 40 plus range um, on a pen fiberglass. And again, just, you know, so I've got this, this uh, close relationship with stripers. I really like them. But uh, that was my first, and then it just—it was just gangbusters uh, from there. By the time I was 27, I was guiding on the Deschutes with uh, Deschutes River Outfitters, and I've had my guide license since '94. So you've been a uh, fly fishing guide, uh, an avid angler for uh, since that time, since those uh, beginning days of the stripers on the fly. And yeah. uh, how did it transform into you um, owning these companies? Uh, that now do more for the fly fishing industry? Yeah. So, um, you know, we tried to buy the fly shop that I worked at and uh, it didn't, the, the numbers just didn't work. We didn't, you know, have the cash to dump into it. We just kind of wanted to move into a functioning company. 
and it didn't work. So I spent a few years guiding on the side and starting software companies. And uh, we hit this point in life, like sometimes life just throws some resets at you. Um, this reset was was the doctor saying my wife wasn't going to be here in three days. Um, there was no hope. Go home, get your affairs in order. And, and she was really sick. And um, she has Crohn's disease and it had taken out most of her large intestine and uh, literally almost killed her. Wow. Um, next day literally died twice in the operating table and, and just kind of through that and, and, you know, she's still here with us. So we're, wow. we're grateful for that. Uh, miraculously. Um, uh, but it, it kind of hit reset. I, I couldn't be the CEO of a software startup anymore and take care of my family. My wife's now long-term recovery. Um, and I, I walked out on a software company that probably would have definitely not probably, I would have retired from, uh, we were in negotiation with with Sony and Walt Disney to buy us. Wow! And um, so you know, we we thought thought this is it. And six months later, I find myself like fully Chapter Seven bankrupt, like everything gone, drift boat in the driveway, fancy house in Bend, Oregon, gone. And uh, we looked at each other and said, "Hey, listen, um, we're starting over because we're clearly starting over." <laughs> what are we going to do? And my wife looked at me and she says, listen, I don't want to know you as an employee and um, let's find something. And so, so we kind of came up as a family with like three values and the three values were one, something that we could do together as a family Two, something I was passionate about. Like if you're going to get up every morning and you're going to go start something, you, you got to put on the coat. Like looking back, every time I put on the proverbial, you know, coat as a software, you know, startup guy kind of felt like a fraud like it just wasn't who i was i could do it and i was good at it but it wasn't who i was if we're going to do this again let's do something that like fits and then the third was something that had more of an eternal value to it like you just sometimes you're just always chasing the next contract the next deal the next investment the next for what like at the end of the day you just you you spend a lot of time doing those things instead of spending it with your family and when you come into those moments when that can all get ripped away from you, you start to reevaluate that. So that was the beginning of the journey, believe it or not. That wasn't like, that wasn't like the end. It was the beginning of the journey. And um, so, you know, I, I went to start a fly shop in the Portland, Oregon area, a little town called Milwaukee on the, on the Willamette River. And um, we went to go buy the flies for the shop. And the, the distributor looked at me and he says, no, 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 no. You don't buy them from me here. Meet me over in Thailand. We'll put you up. We'll show you a good time. What do you like? Little boys or little girls? Hmm. I mean, proposition me right there. Wow. And um, I was so enraged, right? Like I was enraged. Uh, I was going to either throat punch the guy or get out. And on the way home, I uh, called my wife and I said, we're out. We're out on the fly shop. We're not doing it. I can't. I can't move forward knowing that that's, that's what we're selling for products. Uh, instead, I want to find a way. Let's, I, I already knew the name. It was Fair Flies. That's how we started. I want to be the first fair trade certified company in the fishing industry. And we are wow. still today the only fair trade certified company globally in the fishing industry. Um, so that was the start. That was like our origin, if you would. I mean, we started with like $200 in the bank. I walked out on the shop and I said, we're going to figure this out. I called a buddy that raised his family outside of Nairobi, Kenya and said, who do you have for contacts? 
And it was just drinking from the fire hydrant ever since. We have kind of blown away. Uh, <laughs> didn't didn't yeah. know where that was going to go, but wow. Um, what a story. And so through your buddy in, in Kenya, so it started as Fairflies, and Fairflies was making what at that time? You know, originally the goal was, hey, how about instead of exploiting people for our sport, like, you know, uh, especially us as fly anglers, right? Like, it's part of our identity. It's mine, right? Like, I'm part of that. Like you said, community. Um, it's identity as well. And uh, I, I don't want to see that anymore. I, I don't want that to be part of what we are selling or purchasing. Um, so how about instead of exploiting people, we find those that have been exploited. And through this industry, we can we can find a way to pay double a living wage, which, by the way, in most places is fifteen dollars a day, right? Like, how hard can it be? Instead of paying two or three dollars a day to a fly tire, who then has to do nighttime work just to feed their family, um, we pay at least at a minimum a living wage. So we started out saying, "Hey, who's doing it?" And honestly, spent a lot of time couldn't find it. Um, so then we decided we needed to to start building tying groups and uh i mean bit off way more than we could chew when we first started <laughs> you know like off into the deep end i'm in kybera kenya um second largest slum in the world highest concentration of aids like abductions every day i mean it's a rough spot and um started there learning what do we do i mean i knew how to tie i've been you know when i was guiding i you know full time i was working a shop boy in the morning guiding the afternoon and tying flies at night just to make ends meet you know sitting in the living room with the fam and Tying flies. So I got fast. Um, and then I started like making my own tools. Like, Hey, I could, I could do a new technique if I made a new tool, not knowing where that would end up. But, um, so yeah, it's, uh, don't know if I answered your question there or not, but. No, I think you did because I think what the thing I heard from uh, an episode with you on, a, on another show, our good friend over at the wet flash wing, Dave, uh, you had mentioned in that episode, this has been some time ago, that uh, you are helping to provide, you are helping to get people out of tough situations, uh, yeah. really rough situations, uh, human trafficking situations, and you're yep. providing uh, income for them. And that's what drew me to Fairflies to first check it out. And what kind of got our, conversa our conversation started um, was, wow, what a cool thing that you're you're about you're about giving back to others and uh and that really touched me and so i think you've continued to do that as you have acquired more and more companies correct yeah yeah so our goal is to create ten thousand jobs um it, as we as we grew in our learning we ended up um in nepal and um huge trafficking issues going on there um I've heard numbers as high as 50,000 young girls working in brothels every night. Uh, so for a country the size of the state of Tennessee, um, that's a lot. Uh, it's a lot, period. But like just given that geographic region. And the problem, you know, around the world is once you have that stigma, you've, you've been a sex worker, nobody will hire you. And so those that even get rescued, they get taken out to safe homes 18 months later, they got to land on their feet somehow. And nobody will hire them. So 92% of the women that get rescued end up going back to the red light districts because there's no options, right? Like without work, none of us can pay rent or 
by food. And so that really just kind of opened up our eyes to like, hey, we got to create jobs. I don't care what it takes. Um, and, you know, we can't we can't just compete. I can't I can't go buy ten million dollars worth of flies so that I can compete with the big guys right there in the industry that, that are filling all of our bins in, in shops across the country. We have to innovate. You know, we we're talking a little bit earlier about our brushes like that was a huge innovation. It's it's something different than anything else that's out there. And um, and so we would describe ourselves today first as an innovation company in the industry. We've we've won most most every award in the industry for our products. Um, and uh, then second, we are we don't do the production. We don't own these teams. We go and we work with people that are saying, hey, we're here. We want to help in the situation. We don't know what to do. We don't have jobs. We don't we don't know how to create them. Um, we work out with our products how to manufacture those products. We go over, we completely tool and outfit and train. I usually stay for a couple of months and then I'm back every other month to to work with them. And um, we teach them how to do each each product that we're doing. Uh, and then we do the sales and distribution. So that comes back and then Right now, I think our our products are hitting something like forty five countries uh, now that we've we've sold to, and created about two hundred jobs along the way. That's incredible. So. Would love to hear you speak a little bit, Jeff. So, we we definitely want to get into those products because uh, we are we are flat. I mean, you're sitting here looking at our flat time <laughs> stuff behind us. Like we we want to talk about some of those things. But before we dive into the really cool innovative products that you guys have come up with. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more. So what is the, I mean, I guess you kind of explained it, but what does that look like for you all to uh, find these groups yeah. to, to go in and be able to, to help them? Um, it's incredible work. I think it is very much, uh, I'm sure it's got to be rewarding. I'm sure it has got to be uh, yeah. just incredible to see that take place. I mean, you're not just talking about creating a job. You're, you're really changing a community, changing people's lives. Um, uh, kind of all over the world. So uh, what does that look like for you? How do you get hooked up with these with these different groups? And then how do you – I know you said you go over and spend some time with them. I mean, it sounds like you're basically setting up an entire, like, industry right there in that in that small community. Yeah, well, at one point we sold as a family. We sold everything we owned and moved to Kathmandu. Wow. Craziest city on the planet. Like, I love <laughs> Kathmandu. I love Nepal. I love the people in Nepal. But, you know, for, for an American family to just, like, uproot – sight unseen, get on a plane with one-way tickets and go go land and catch. Man, dude, it's a little crazy. Um, wouldn't recommend it to, to too many people. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for my girls, you know, getting to, to go there. You know, what we, what we've learned, what we learned early on is we needed boots on the ground influence there, right? That, that nobody local was getting a little greedy and taking more off the top and not passing up through payroll. Um, having a Western influence, like in the shop, that eye, right? Like Americans have an eye for quality where Asians are, you know, often it's like that should be good enough. And, and here it isn't. And, and we're competing against much larger companies. Uh, ours has to be top notch. Our story doesn't get to have us sell crap. We, we got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah exactly what you're saying. We, we got to sell good stuff because at the end of the day, guys are buying stuff, gals are buying stuff because it catches more fish. It, it's more efficient or effective, it, whatever you use it for. The story only gets you a little bit. Hmm. Um, and, and so we like to think that it's, it's, it's those partnerships 
that make us different. And it also, the really cool part about that is unlimited scalability. We've got projects in Nepal. We've got projects in India, in Tunisia, uh, and now one we're working with in Honduras. And, um, you know, again, just partnering with like-minded people that see work as a way for transformation. Mm. And, I mean, I just want to hit on this. I, I've not, I talked to your, your partner, Chris, a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, I feel like through all that, man, moving, moving your family with three girls across the world, uh, I'm sure there were some moments where uh, you were kind of in a state of, I don't know, shock is the right word, but just kind of like shock and all maybe. And just, and it so, was a white, it was white knuckle for sure. Yeah. You like, know, what are right? we doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. just explain, I would personally just like to know, you mentioned a, an eternal kind of purpose for what you're doing and yeah. what kind of faith did that take? Huh, all of it. And then some, this whole thing for me is, is living out what I say I believe. Right. And, and if I say I believe something on Sunday morning or whenever, you know, you go to church or, you know, you say something on, on the weekend, where does the rubber meet the road on Monday? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, am I all in or not? And, um, so we were all in, I mean, literally two weeks before we get on the plane, we're in a rental house out in Oregon and we've sold everything we own. Literally our last couch was gone. And, um, this is where it gets a little crazy. Uh, we get two phone calls. So I told you my wife, you know, she's got this medical condition every six weeks. She's got to go in for IVs for the rest of her life. Um, that's what keeps her off the operating table. And, um, so my, I got two calls this morning, that morning. And, um, first one was my mom, my dad's best friend, uh, had pancreatic cancer, been in a coma for five days. Uh, he was the first one to hold me the day I was born. Um, and it was just, you know, rough. Like she just called to say, Hey, today's the day Bill's going home. And, uh, just want to let you know. We're going to try to see if we can have the funeral before you guys take off. But they give me that call. And the second one was my wife's doctor saying, if you go, you're going to kill your wife. Mm. Like she can't, you can't get the medical care she needs on that side of the planet. We felt clearly we were supposed to go like, you know, like just everything seems to line up. And we just really heard like, Hey, this is, this is where you're supposed to be. But here's the doctor saying, uh, you're going to have to explain to your kids and your in-laws why you chasing your dream was more important than your wife living. I mean, just a punch in the junk. There's no other way to put it. Um, and, you know, what do you do? You're like, what What decision did I make? I mean, as a dad and a husband, like, I'm put, I'm putting my wife's life at risk. Like, at what point are we crossing the line here? For what we feel like we're supposed to do and living out our faith right um so we just honestly we just kind of dropped our knees together like we didn't know what to say or do and just literally just as we dropped down my mom calls not the time you want to talk to mom right like <laughs> just love her to death not the time you want to talk to mom and and she you know so i let it ring through and Five times she calls me and on the fifth time I look at my wife and say, look, she just needs to tell us, you know, she needs to tell me that Bill's gone and we're going to let her do that. We'll explain this junk way later. Um, we don't even know what we're going to do. So I pick up the phone. My mom says, hey, I'll explain in a minute, but Bill wants to talk to you. Wow. 
I'm like, what? <laughs> so she had, had left the room to go out and call us and, and everybody. And um, as they came back to the room, the alarms are going off. The nurses are paging the doctors and freaking out. Bill's ripped all the IVs and tubes out of him. He's bouncing on the end of his bed like a little kid. And the nurses are trying to get him to lay down. As my mom walks in, he's going, Judy, Judy, you need, you need to call your son. And my mom's like backpedaling, like, what's going on? And uh, she says, he, you know, he says, well, you got to call Jeff. She's like, okay, what do you want me to tell him? He's like, no, 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 right now you got to call him. And this is where it gets wild. So she puts him on the phone. I can't understand the guy. Like he literally has just ripped everything out. He's in, you know, there's alarms going off. Hands the phone back to my mom. And he whispers in her ear, he says, I was just with Jesus. And he said, go. Like right in that moment. And I don't know where you're coming from. Um, but when you when you need to hang on to something that that literally you're making a decision that's going to put a family member at risk, but you know it's the right thing to do, you kind of need that thing to hang on to. So when you ask me the question, like, like what kind of faith does it take to do that? Like, I mean, more than I got. Yeah. Wow. What a cool story, man! It's it's an awesome story and one that uh, that we can say you've been you've been blessed through yeah. it. I mean, I, I know it was obviously challenging, a lot of ups and downs through everything, and uh, I, I could sit here and say I I don't know if I could make that move. Yeah, and uh, big. Ups. I don't know if I could do it twice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, yeah. But but at the same time, I wouldn't go back and change it. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, obviously we survived it. My my girls got an education. Mm-hmm. And how long we were you over there? So so the first time we went, um, we only made it four months because my wife was having to literally fly all the way back to Portland, Oregon, 48 hours airport to airport. Wow. Um, just to go get health care for 30 hours and then turn around and fly back. And it, it, that was going to kill her if nothing else. So what we did is we brought the family back home, but then I would be home for four weeks and gone for five, home for four, gone for five, and just rotating through that since since we couldn't stay. Um, you know, we couldn't get the insurance money to cover her meds, even to fly her to Thailand, you know, somewhere closer where we could get it, but it was $9,000 every time she sat in the seat and no overseas insurance for it. So it kind of determined that we came back. But, you know, the good part of that is, is what happens is when you get stuck over there, it's really difficult to stay engaged. Like we wouldn't be doing this from Nepal, right? Like how do I stay engaged with my market um, and tell the story and do the sales and build the relationships from over there? So instead, that's really where we started to discover building boots on the ground relationships with people that are already there, like-minded, shared values that are willing to help do that work. Um, Really, we're just equipping them to do what, what they're going for. And so I now know dozens of families that have done the same thing, but they got to stay. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. That's super cool. Well, man, what a what a really amazing just I mean, you definitely just had to listen to the call of God on your on your family and say, We're going. Um, this is yeah. what, what God's telling us to do. And it probably doesn't make sense to the rest of the world at all. But um, you know, a no. lot of, a lot of no. stuff that God chooses to do <laughs> tends to be that way. Um yep. so I would love for us to transition though, because this story is phenomenal. But you also don't have this great company if you don't make some really great products. And so you've got some really great stuff out there. And um, I would love to you to just speak to some of these things. I know the first thing that actually ever drew me to uh, to 
you, the Zoe Angling Group was Fairflies and the uh, yeah. the brushes that you guys create. We were talking about those yeah. a little while ago, and um, I, I heard them talked about or was reading. I think I was reading something actually. I think on like a fly tying Facebook group or something like that. And somebody mentioned these brushes and I'm like, brushes, like, what are we brushing out dubbing? Like, what are we doing here? Um, and then See, they, they what, did a post as and, the newbie tire. That's why I was like, what, what are we brushing? <laughs> yeah, what, so are we br- what are we brushing out? Um, and then I looked into it and got to it's see hair brushes. Wow. Yeah. Like no, that. it's, <laughs> and I was like, what are we doing? Um, but then I started checking these things out and they seem pretty next level, especially for tying and, some big has flies. Has Chris gotten any to you yet? He, he hasn't got it yet, but, you a care but I have, I have, uh, I have seen them and I've used them. So, okay. Yeah. All right. But no, we haven't had any sent our way yet, but maybe, oh, maybe we, you can we'll work on that. So explain to everybody what, what this brought and yeah. And how so, quick it makes it. And, it, two, well, it does. and so, I would love for you so to explain the innovation behind it. Like why, how you came up with this idea? Yeah. Well, again, just crazy downloads of, idea so <laughs> ben paul of opst olympic peninsula skagit tactics company that's been around for for a hot minute as well um and i were talking about doing these like really complex flies so you gotta understand industry wise uh an elk hair caddis and adams like that's a four minute fly like most of you guys like that's a 30 minute fly but but if you're gonna tie commercially yeah it's 10 dozen a day 120 <laughs> flies a day you gotta do that's four minutes a fly that doesn't count breaks like, can you do it? Like, what did you hold on? Let's stop right there. You said that a what was a how long for an average tire? An elk hair caddis is four minutes. No, you got no, for me. What, what is the average He's for like, like me? You said like 30? 20 to 30 minutes, like oh, most yeah, guys. Yeah. Like, you at, know, at least could, I've been tying for what are we nine months, uh, almost a year. I guess we're yeah, almost at the year, year mark, yeah. but yeah. it's still pretty rough. So, yeah, four you know, minutes, and, and they've got to be perfect. Right. And the, the head's got to taper right to the eye and like all the little QC things that we do on them. You can't grab the fly and twist it around the hook. It's got to be on there tight. And uh, you got to do 10 dozen a day. And I, I usually challenge people, especially like if they'll come meet me in one of, with our, one of our tying groups. Like, OK, today your goal is to see if you can tie 10 dozen of that one fly. Wow. Usually by lunch, people give up. They're like, yeah. forget this. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Um. So these were taking 15 to 20 minutes commercial for my commercial tires, like really complex stuff. And then you've got this other challenge of like, I'm in a place in the world where they've never gone fly fishing. Like yeah. the idea of proportion is what's pretty in each of their eyes. Not like it's the science of production is really difficult when you think about it, right? For, for somebody who has no context, what does that insect look like? Or what am I imitating? And so I wanted to come up with a way that we could, A, shorten the time on those productions, those super complex flies, um, but, but B, make my proportions consistent, like measurably more consistent. And so, you know, I was working, I've tied with EP brushes forever, um, but, you know, it takes like a whole stinking EP brush to tie a fly. Yeah. Um, and it's typically just one material, maybe just a little bit of fleck of flash or something in there, but you you're grabbing five or six of these brushes to, to work out a fly. And it's not really time saving. Um, but then, but then you have this other problem. Like I wanted to be able to put silicone legs and like five different materials into one brush. Like, how do I do it? And I'm, I'm literally driving up to meet with, with Ben Paul. And I just haven't figured it out yet. Cause the main problem with like a brush is you got two pieces of wire, right? And you put some material between those two pieces of wire 
and then you spin it. But when you cut that wire, all that extra material just pulls out. Our brushes don't do that. And the reason is, and it's just like this, like flash came into my head on the way up. Like I know how to do this. So we have super fine wire made for us. There's one machine in the world. It's made in France. They run it through this machine three times so that we have perfect consistency. That way it doesn't break in the middle of that brush because they're all hand spun. Every one of our brushes are made by hand. And um, the, the key is, is every material gets its own layer between wires. So instead of two strands of heavier wire, it's five strands of super fine wire. Wow. Now when you cut it off, it almost welds that in. You can tie in crazy Charlies by just nicking it in, cutting it off, and you're done. You don't huh. even have to take it around and tie it off. Um, extended bodies, tails, all that kind of stuff. And so it just it opened up kind of a world of new technique. Uh, that we're able to do like who else has silicone legs in their brushes that's gonna, pretty cool i need like a video demonstration <laughs> it just it went like it went like over my head i'm gonna have to see somebody use it i mean it sounds Perfect. incredible uh just being the novice that i am it like just i just need to see it but i know you tie for, it in you go once around you tie it off you're done you get a dozen flies out of one brush that's impressive it's really cool really really cool that is impressive so that was like the first thing correct that that was your that first was our first yeah that was our first yeah like your baby that that's your that's your the, first the, <laughs> it kind of opened up some doors for us i mean we've got those brushes on the shelves in orvis like how cool is that yeah, yeah. right like <laughs> that's gonna be that's neat. when yeah. you kind of get to feel like you're part of the community yeah you, like made something that orvis thinks we're selling <laughs> yeah that's really cool and it all goes back to the like i love that you call them like the the 5d like the 5d yeah. brush um and i was just kind of Kind of looking at those, would you mind explaining that a little bit? Well, we're kind of looking at like it's not just three dimensional. Like, yeah, it's got all these dimensions. Like I can geek out on the sciences. So yeah, guys, we went way down the rabbit hole on this. And when I say way down the <laughs> rabbit hole, I'm on the phone. Like so, all of our flashy and plastic stuff we use in flies, like all of our synthetics, really come from 3M, right? Like okay. they hold the patents on yeah. all mylars and acetates. So I'm literally on the phone. I find out how our mylars and acetates are dyed. Oh, wow. Because we're trying to dive into like. <laughs> You're getting into some colors. really, yeah. Like we were way stuff, down. Yeah. And we started figuring out like the companies were using flame underneath the tank to heat water. They would dump the stuff in there. And when you have flame, it's super hot on the bottom and not as hot on the top. So you're trying to keep it moving. And, and the, these super thin mylars and acetates, these little thin plastic flash pieces that we use are microns in thickness. So very heat sensitive. Right. And um, so we, we started getting in this, found out that they dump battery acid in it to open up the pores. They dump battery acid into the water and then toxic dyes to get the colors. I'm like, so I'm hiring people. We're getting them out of nasty situations, but I'm going to make them, you know, handle a bunch, handle of, nasty a bunch of nasty stuff. Yeah. Right. Like that doesn't that doesn't make sense. What else could we do? So we came up with a way to do a circular bath that doesn't use flame on our tanks. And that allowed me to control within a half a degree of temperature so that I could actually manage the plastic and what was going on literally at the molecular level in it. And then we were able, because we're able to, to, to do that, like your, your, your variables and everything are like time and temperature, right? Like yeah. I didn't have to use battery acid and flush it down. By the way, this just goes into our water treatment plants. It yeah. just flushes out. Um, we eliminated battery acid by using citric acid. Right? Yeah. A totally natural. Product, yeah, totally, totally right? fine to use. Yeah, totally fine to handle. Cheap, 
easy to, you know, easy. I mean, stick it on your finger. I think we put it in half of our, you know, sour candies. It's, it's safe, right? Like that's, it's in our food. Um, at least we hope it's safe. But um, so citric acid and then uh, worked with a dye company that had gotten an EPA certification, non-toxic dye. And I said, hey, will that work on mylars and acetates? They're like, no way. That'll never work. It's good for natural fibers only. I'm like, would you send me some to play with anyway? Turns out it works awesome. <laughs> um, That's great. <laughs> so, so like we're down, like literally designing the angles of cuts. And so we're back to the 5D question here, right? Yeah. So if I want an all pink brush and all I do is I put one material in that brush, it all has the same flow rate in the water, right? Put it in moving water. And what that does is it causes it to mad back and it might as well be a chunk of silicone back there. It doesn't, there's no movement mm -hmm. to it, right? And, and what we're looking for is is movement when we're putting, you know, designing yeah. patterns. We're looking for profile, right? Those, these are these are way more important than color. UV reflection, profile, and movement. That's yeah. that's what you're looking for. And so, you know, what we'll do is we'll take five different pink materials, each one of them a different micron of thickness, a different angle of cut. So now I've got different rates in the water. They're going in and out. When those things get wet, they look like they're breathing. Creating all kinds of movement. Wow. That's so cool. Jeff, this is just unreal to me because we've been sitting here having this awesome conversation of this really cool story. And then now we're like geeking out on <laughs> micron plastics like this. I just, I just find it fascinating. You know, you don't usually see, at least I, I, in my own experience, and that's very limited, you don't usually see a guy who uh, is – super mindful about like taking care of people but also like and i hope you take this as a compliment like geeking out on like really like uh intricate things like yeah. cutting fibers and uh, i just the really appreciate that about so you fun. yeah no i mean i get into it i love it like i'm sitting here geeking out with you and we could probably go down on some crazy rabbit holes about all this stuff josh was over here going like oh my gosh what are these guys talking about so well, I, i'm just a, i'm just a little bit lost but i'm um, caleb will break it down for me in simple terms probably when we're done with this episode to explain what we actually just talked about we just need to get some lines wet it'll all make sense. yeah I, okay that's, that's, i think that sounds, that sounds like a great I mean, it's idea very doable you're close so, enough to us to make that happen so you created Absolutely. so you created the 5d uh brushes so they're handmade in in your with your uh tying they are tying uh, groups like in Nepal yeah. and, so and all these places. So we quit tying flies. Like, okay, why, that's what I was going to ask. So you're not, okay, yeah, that's what I was we about to ask. We can create jobs doing this, right? And so um, not only are there five materials and five strands in, in there, and, and we can add in silicone, which, again, if you're using machines to make those things, you, you just can't can't pull that off. Yeah. Um, but they're environmentally friendly, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're tougher. They're going to make faster flies and all that kind of stuff. So. Um, we measure every material that goes into every brush to the thousandth of an ounce. Wow. Right. So, <laughs> so get this at, at, you know, kind of our, our biggest month we ever did was like 15,000 brushes that were their time. How many do you think we had to fail? Now, let me give you the criteria has to be within a quarter inch longer or shorter of 12 inches. And it has to, it has to hit that thousandth of an ounce mark. Across five materials. Uh, I I would assume it would be a lot, but I don't know. Five. Wow, that's pretty great. Five brushes out of 15,000. And that's, and that's and being done building by processes. Hand. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I mean, that's not machine cut. That's that's somebody sitting there by hand coming through. And, by hand. 
Wow, that's really we incredible. We use nothing even electronic. We made custom tools wow. that they oh, sit wow. there and they spin these things with. Okay, so let's um, let's go that route because you got the brushes, and that's kind of yeah. Fairfly's thing, correct? And now they have that's, the fly that fur. Was, that was it. And then we started designing materials. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you got the fur. You start getting into the science of these things. Yeah. Uh, I went to a faux fur factory and retooled a $5 million faux fur factory to create our, our fly fur. Wow. Okay. Um, it's the longest, finest fiber that's ever been made and it has the least amount of under fur and, and we had to change how it shears and how it actually manufactures the fibers to get that like that's how far down the rabbit hole we've gone on i love it like, this is what makes awesome. it so, <laughs> so impressive and that that's pretty much what fairflies does and then you've got yep. how many you got four other companies four other companies under now yeah so angling you group. know we um about four years ago so Wasatch tools. I don't know if you've ever seen a Wasatch tool, um, but you know, wood, gold plated, brass. They're beautiful. Like highest quality tools ever. And as a tire, I always I always drooled on them, but could never afford a set. And um, turns out we lived you know a few miles away from the guy who owned Wasatch tools. He was the third owner of the company. It's a fifty year old company. Started out in a in a guy's garage. Um, uh, Mr. Childs, and he was started out making these tools on his little lathe for his tying team, and then it just kind of it kind of grew, but it never really went to production. Uh, it just was small batch stuff done in their garages. Well, he came to me and says, "Hey, I'm ready to retire. I love what you're doing. Um, listen, I want to give you the company. Will you take it over? Wow, for me." Uh, and you know, like, uh, does that mean I finally get a set of Wasatch tools? <laughs> Sure, I'll do it. I'll take the company just for. I'll, I'll take, take the company just for a set. Um, and and he, you know, uh, Bob had been just incredibly generous uh, to us. He outfitted all of our tires. Actually, the, our first tying team was was all Wasatch tools. And wow. um, you know, Regal's been incredibly great to us. Uh, they've outfitted our tires. You know, um, you know, it's again community, right? Like, yeah, you think you you read these brands. But you forget there's like people that started them in their garages yeah. and they're really cool people that really figured something out. And it's just cool to be able to call them friends now. But uh, so Wasatch, uh, we took over about four years ago. And today, today, we brought in nine CNC machines. Matter of fact, I was running a forklift most of the day today, uh, throwing on my car hearts, running a forklift, unloading uh, like the semi full of nine monster CNC machines into a new shop. We're bringing Wasatch home and completely redesigned it. Uh, so we've improved on the product, bigger handles to fit better in the, in the hand. You don't have to hold your little finger out when you're working with a tying tool anymore. <laughs> um, and we put like bearings in things that should rotate instead of just having them rotate down. The, like we're taking them next level. And we just brought all the machines in-house. We're going to start to 100% produce Wasatch tools as our only in-house production line. Um, because uh, in the middle of all that, we're launching a new fly tying vise that is like nothing else on the market. It's truly on axis. It spins like a sewing machine. Um, and you guys have to come on over to Chattanooga to get to see it. It's, sounds it's sounds like we may be making a trip. Chattanooga. Yeah. I, think, I think you need to come over and wait till you see my tying wall. <laughs> i bet that's awesome and uh and then and then you've uh you guys have picked up a few other brands here lately so as we well. launched well we launched pivot this past yeah. year 
Um, you know, the fly market's awesome. We love it. It's my passion, but obviously conventional fishing is larger. Uh, we spent about five years figuring out how to replace lead in like rooster tails and jigs and that kind of stuff with, again, a non-toxic uh, solution. We're leaving about 4,000, I think the last study I read, 4,300 tons a year are left in our waterways of lead just by sport anglers. Hmm. And we know that by how much is purchased on an annual basis in the U.S. That's just U.S. number, not global. That's a lot of lead that we're leaving in our waterways. It does leach. I don't care what anybody says. Like the science shows it leaches. So we're, we're putting lead out there like that. How do we do it? And again, back to our team. If I'm going to have somebody produce this, I want to take them out of a bad situation and make them go handle lead all day. So we came up with a way of doing lead with a, a plastic, a high-density polyethylene plastic. Here I go geeking on that sciences again um that is super thin but it, it now it can't chip and uh, bismuth is a key ingredient pepto bismol so we just huh. had to increase the size by 10 percent. it's almost imperceptible uh by the eye and you know we're gonna we're gonna we're doing the whole line of anything leaded and we're applying our our brushes as the material behind them so instead of just running bucktail behind a jig head put our 5d brushes back there and see what happens nice yeah Makes a lot of sense. Uh, so that's pivot. Pivot's kind of literally, it's our pivot um, uh, into the conventional market uh, for a bit. And then Stealth, we we recently, you know, were contacted by the guys that founded Stealth Hooks. Uh, they're genius. Uh, the innovation's great, but they were moving on to something else. And they're like, hey, Jeff, if anybody's going to take a hook in a different direction, it's you. Would you would you just take this and run <laughs> with it? And uh, So Stealth has is, is been pretty new. And, and then our next one that, that's coming out, we've talked about it a little bit, but we're full launch this year at ICAST, is a, a composite. So our Tunisia team does composites. So we're doing a special carbon fiber and fiberglass composite tackle boxes with inserts that magnetically pop in and out. So like you can have a go. cigar tube and a flask on one side and your dry flies on the other. You know, I like, like it. Now that, now we're talking. This is right? something we got to see here. So we're going to, we're playing with composites and we're seeing how far we can take that. And, um, I, we've got a lot of really cool ideas, um, from a, uh, angler's tomahawk, uh, all the way out to, to a cooler, you know, your 45 liter cooler that weighs 27 and a half pounds. Ours weighs five and a half. Wow. Okay. Um, so Fun, some fun stuff. Again, I was going to say, this is like we're talking the to a fishing lane. If yeah. it will sell to an angler and we can You're create jobs it. doing it. Yeah, that's the let's cool play. thing. I love it. I think that's, I think that's incredible. And I just, I don't know. I just find this so refreshing. Like you're finding ways. I mean, obviously it's, it's a market. You're making money doing it, but you're, you're helping change lives. I mean, like you're, you're doing this the right way, which I think is just so. Like I say, it's just refreshing. Like it's neat to hear someone who's like can geek out about all the crazy things about fly fishing and all the crazy things about tying flies and the super, you know, intricacies of all that synthetics and all that stuff. But then at the same time, knowing the back end of that, like there's purpose behind it all. And I think that's really great. What gets you up in the morning? Yeah. Right. Like cause sure. building any company, I don't care what it is. It's it's a fight. It's, yeah. it's tough. You, you're coming in, you're underfunded, you've got big competitors and a couple ideas. Yeah. Right? Like, For sure. What, what gives what gives me the right to bring something new to the fishing market? Like, I'm just a, another angler. Um, 
but but when you get a purpose like that behind it, like that gets you up in the morning and and you you go a little longer, I think. Well, I got to think too, and I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like as you're designing these products and as you're creating these things, these people that you're helping are in the back of your mind. I know, I know every one of them by name. Wow. They're they're not in the back of my mind. They're in the front of my mind. It, it, it's hard to go to sleep at night. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, that's the messy side. Yeah. Knowing what I know and experiencing what I've experienced and seeing what I've seen, like what else can we do? Mm. Who's coming along? I, I, I want, I want a hundred more companies with the same goal of creating 10,000 jobs. Um, let's, let's, let's use our industry to make a difference instead of just doing the same old thing. Or, you know, I, ASA came out and said 92% of the fishing market in the U S comes out of China. Like, look, that's not really benefiting anybody except for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we do different? And we can, we can, the margins are there. The numbers are there. You know, our market's fine. Uh, went up 30% over COVID, not down. Uh, yeah, right? I'm like, sure, yeah. Better being in a fishing company than a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 to me, the, the, the whole thing is, is why, why don't we all just do this? Imagine what we could say, even just as the fly fishing community, imagine what we could change or, or what we could affect. Just everybody going this way at it. Jeff, I'm just uh, blown away, and thank you for, for what – for who you are, number one, and for, for what you're doing to impact the lives of these people and your companies. Um, we're going to take just a real quick break, but we do want to uh, come back after this break and give you a chance to talk about being a dad on the fly and, uh, and your three girls, give you a chance to talk about that experience and, and how much those your girls mean to you and your family. We've already heard about your wife and how amazing, obviously, she is to have gone through what she's gone through and still be right there with you. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to do that. <music> Dads on the Fly is brought to you by Catch Cam Knits. Catch Cam Knits, where you can build your own knit. It's your knit, so you choose every feature. Check them out online at catchcamknits.com. So we're back with Mr. Jeff Coffey, uh, founder of Zag. Say it again, Caleb. Zag Angling. Zag Angling Group, correct? It's Zoe Angling Zoe Group. Angling they call it, group. Zag, we call it Zag. Zag. Yeah. Okay, so I got to tell you, I got to tell you. <laughs> Zoe Angling why Group, Zoe. Zag. Why Zoe? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, it's the Greek word translated in the New Testament, actually, as the life God intended. Wow. Uh, or just secularly, you know, defined, you know, as a whole life, hmm. as the other definition. So given what we're doing, as we started to grow and like fair flies doesn't sell products into the conventional market. Like nobody's buying a fair flies jig. It just doesn't make sense. Um, that's really kind of why we developed the other brands or, or product lines. Um, we kind of needed to come with like a holding company name. And, and that's just always kind of held close for me is, is, is that whole life concept for people who didn't have a whole life. Man, it's so. too really cool, man. Love that. So, Jeff, you've been telling us so many great stories and all about your awesome products and the story behind why you've created this angling group. You told the story about moving to overseas, all these crazy places. You also told us you had three daughters. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, what was that like? Not only just taking you and your wife 
but taking your entire family, saying saying yes to what you felt like God told you to do, and having them go along for the journey. Awesome. And a word, um, white knuckle is is also like, you know, just the, you know, there's nothing to relate. Like when you're when you're there, the the first thing that hit me was the light switches go down to turn the lights on. <laughs> okay. Like it just you don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. You walk into a room and your hand always goes up to flip the light on, but in in India and in most of Asia, it's down. So so literally, if you fly over the top of Kathmandu, um, you're already on your way back home. You cannot go further on the planet without leaving the planet. Then Kathmandu, and, and here we're landing, and I've got three daughters in an area where I know human trafficking is a big deal, you know. Um, so my girls at the time were 17, 15, and three. Wow. So I, I had mentioned that my wife had that surgery. Three months later, we find out we're pregnant. Wow. Like, crazy story. Doctor says, your wife's not healthy enough to carry the meds that she's on, like nobody's been pregnant on. We've scheduled a termination for you this afternoon. And we looked at him and said, hey, we, we, um, we just don't believe that that's our choice. Like, literally, if God didn't take her on the operating table, um, but this is how he does it. It's just, that's, that's just not, I don't think that's supposed to be in our control. And so we wrote it out. And we now have a 10-year-old, happy, healthy, beautiful girl named Gracie Hope. And um, couldn't decide what she meant more to us uh, at, the, at the moment, right? <laughs> that's awesome. And um so, so she's three years old. We're, we're loading on a plane to get there. We've got like 17 North Face duffel bags of materials and hooks. And we each get like this little like shoe, you know, gym bag size bag to move. To, <laughs> for to, all your stuff. You get a gym like, bag for all your girls, stuff. Girls, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. buy a clothes when we get there. Grab your underwear. Let's go. Um, so we did. And, and we just showed up sight unseen and got lost our first day in Kathmandu. And, you know, as a dad... You're the protector, right? Like I'm, I'm like trying to bring my girls in and like have my hands on them at all times as as we're trying to navigate what to us was just complete insanity and just chaos. You know, there's just you learn the order as you're there, but culturally it's so different. It just everything feels like chaos. Um, now I know the rhythm, right? But but then we didn't, and uh, so yeah, I mean, gosh, as a dad getting to give my my kids that kind of experience and it changed them i mean in, in some ways for hard like one of our gals like one of our girls she had to get counseling when she got back because we had her interview our initial staff to tell their life story so so mm. um broadcast media is her major she's graduating in may from biola uh, with a double major in honors english tori honors english and and broadcast media so we said hey this is your chance like you've got this blog I had no idea what she was going to hear. Like, I wasn't even ready. She, she had, she had secondary PTS yeah. from the stories that she heard, and um, that's the hard part. That's that's the messy part. But at the same time, it's it's shaped her whole life. She's like, now I want to know how to tell story. I want to know how to handle this. I want to know how to help people and, and get this out. And so, yeah, uh, crazy, but crazy good. Yeah. You know, and uh, remember, I, I said our three values were something that we could do together as a family. All three of my girls, even the 10 year old, this might sound like child labor, but she works in the, she's got a job in the company. Love and uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a proponent. 
of, of child labor, especially when they're your kid. Um, kind of sounds a little bass backwards to everything else we're talking about. But, as long um, as it's your kid. As long as it's your child. As long as it's your child. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's yours. Yeah. Like, you know, right? no, yeah. no it, was, it was something that we could all jump in and lift together. Uh, my girls have done like all of our social media over the years and, and learned how to write and learned, you know, done their internships with us through college. And, and now Gracie growing up, she's in the She's got her own office in our offices. That's and awesome. the, like the team went in and painted, helped her paint her office with like chalk paint. And she's she's super artistic. So she gets to like do a different chalk drawing every week in her office and stuff. And but she's part of the team because because we say we're building a family. Uh, and, and honestly, we, we talked about what we do more in terms of, of church, to be honest, like, um, showing up at work, not everybody shares the same faith as, as the same walk has the same values, except that we do have aligned values and therefore that's why we work together. Um, but, but I, you know, I'm always telling my team, Hey, this is more church than any, anything you'll ever walk into on a Sunday morning. Right. Cause, cause we're living stuff out and, and we're deciding together what we believe and, what we're going to do about it. And um, so it's, it's really cool to get to have my kids in that environment. And so the whole, you know, the whole team, Gracie's just a little sister and they're like, Hey, Gracie, we got this idea. What do you think about this? Or what would you do? And she like gets in with the creative team and just comes up with ideas. And man, it's awesome. That's gotta be, you know? that's gotta be incredible to experience so that cool. with your kids. My wife and... does the books and, and, yeah. and administration stuff. And um, we're just in it. We're all in. That's really neat. Now, do your kids, uh, are they involved in the fishing side of all of this as well? Yeah, I've tried. So my oldest, you know, for when she was younger, she loved going out with me. But more, it was like, she didn't really care if she was fishing. It was just a day with dad. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, like, absolutely. For sure. You know, um, my middle daughter, zero interest whatsoever, but loved being part of the storytelling. Yeah. Like she loved that part of what we're doing. And so the fishing wasn't her draw, but the story was. Mm. And uh, Gracie is is way more like, Dad, I want to get this. I want to be the daughter that got fishing. <laughs> and, uh, That's cool. She hasn't gotten her first fish yet, but we're working on it. We uh, we literally bought a house on Lake Chickamauga here in, in Tennessee. So we've got like our own boat launch. And our goal is this year, this year she gets her first fish. So I love it. So w- what would you say to um... – to our anglers that are listening to the show and, and to the dads, you were able to take your family and immerse them in what you're doing. And everybody doesn't have that situation. Um, we understand right. that for Not sure. Everybody. everybody has that. But to make them a part of something you did, your, for you it was your, your business. It was your livelihood. Like it was your, it was yeah. your whole – everybody was together. Yeah. But what about for us that maybe are spending just the weekend – or maybe right. spending just a, an afternoon, like you said, or a time to be outside with your kids. And what does that mean? How do you, what is your tips to make, to make those experiences enjoyable? Great question. Um, I would say the biggest transition for me was becoming a guide. The reason I say that is because fishing wasn't just about me catching a fish anymore. It was about me helping somebody else have that experience. Right. And so I, I literally would you put me in a drift boat. I'd rather be on the sticks and in the bow because uh, I'm helping and I'm putting you over and I'm telling you where to put it. And half the time I'm setting the hook with the oars. You just don't know it yet. Um, like I'm seeing that fish belly up before you set it. Um, 
uh, and I say that, you know, in, in relation to your question, because I think that often we get caught in the trap of when I go fishing, that that's the me time. And it's important to have that. Like, I think as us guys, like we need that connection to nature, to creation, um, that quiet away from the rest of crazy. But when you go with your family, like you gotta, you gotta find a way for that, not to be the me time, but to be the they time and, and really focus in on them. If you do that, the time's rich because now it's just what I love about fishing. Everybody that says, oh, yeah, my grandpa, my dad, my next door neighbor's dad. Like there's a connective tissue. There is a community aspect. Anytime you talk to anybody about fishing, it's powerful. It's it's a really cool nut. How many other sports are like that? Yeah, that's um, that's what's drawn us into it so much, uh, right. especially through through our podcast and being able to talk to people like yourself. Uh, it is neat. The community that we have got to experience, uh, some, some of the most passionate people that I've ever met are anglers. And, uh, so it's been really neat to experience that as well. As a dad, if you can teach, you can teach your kids, like not yelling at them, not getting frustrated. It's temptation, right? Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. listen, if we're talking about our wives here, hire a guy. Like, she don't even try that. Like, it's just better. <laughs> either that or be okay with the fact that she wants to be in the hammock with a book. And like, yeah. that's good. Like, and that's kind of my wife. Like, she's like, I love being on the boat, but you know, on the fish thing, I like eating the fish you catch, like bring some home. Yeah. Um, but again, if, if, if we can really leverage our passion for what this is to teach our kids something anything and build that relationship that's there for life yeah. you know couldn't agree more well jeff this has been phenomenal um josh anything before we kind of wrap up this conversation no i feel like we could have jeff on uh, at least three more times just for me to <laughs> dig into half of it um and i feel like we probably should have done justice better to break this up into two parts but we'll definitely have you on again for the show to just maybe go down a different line of all kinds of things we didn't even get to talk about his fishing that much i was gonna ask do you ever get to fish anymore with, every, with all you're doing Not as much as i used to uh yeah I, it seems like you know every every time i get to go fishing there's got to be a camera involved anymore which yeah. like to me like fishing is it's spiritual for me mm-hmm. like that's my time i connect with god like is when i need connection time i'm on the water um but th- this this year I'll be back. You know, the move, moving the company and the family from the Northwest to the Southeast um, really took a lot. Out. But like I got to catch my first permit last year. Nice. That was pretty cool. Like us salmon, trout and steelhead guys, like all we know is salmon, trout and steelhead. Like we don't think about terms of bonefish, tarpon permit. Like now that I'm here, I can't get redfish off my mind. <laughs> so much fun. We feel um, you so, there. Yeah, I get, I get out. I haven't even that's touched great. one. And I can't get them off my mind. I mean, that's how bad. <laughs> Just reading and watching videos, and I can't even. Golly, um, we've got some opportunities this year. We're going to be doing that, but man, um, well, we're we're happy to have you down here in the southeast. We're really not that far apart, so we're definitely going to have yeah. to get together at some point and. Uh, just you can explain and show us how all these wonderful things work, and also um, just a day on the water would be such an awesome experience. Uh, let's Jeff, go fish Charleston. Let's yeah, do let's it. do it. You let's, pick let's us go, up on the way. Go, let's go pound some reds there. <laughs> there you go. That would be fun. Um, let's make sure we tell everybody before before we get off this episode um, the best way to find out and to support all you guys are about. 
Sure. So uh, all of our stuff is on zag.fish. That's Z-A-G.fish. No.com. .fish is the tilde. Um, our stories there, you can read more about who we are, what we do, or different products and, and product lines, and then retailers and, and places that you can find those products. That's great. And if they want to um, follow along on social media, I'm sure you're on all those places yeah, as well. We've got, I don't know, like five different social media <laughs> channels and this and that. Like you're going to have to ask well, we'll, Chris on those. Things. I was going to say, we'll get Chris to, or maybe we should just probably, you should probably ask your daughter. They probably, she'd probably know better than we you know know we're on Instagram. Like we've got fair flies on Instagram. We got pivot. You know, yeah. P I V I T by the way, not O T. Yep. I like it. Not just cause I'm not good at spelling. But, um, <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, so, we'll, uh, we'll make sure to link to a lot of those places so people can check you guys out. Jeff, thank you. This has been enlightening this has been just i love hearing stories like this and um it's cool to see stuff taking place like this amongst the fly fishing community and so uh i can't thank you enough for your time thank you guys appreciate you both and what you're doing well thanks jeff and uh thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the dads on the fly podcast and until next time tight lines Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through faith, family, and fishing all on the fly. Make sure to check us out at dadsonthefly.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dads on the Fly. Shoot us a message as we always love hearing from you all. If you'd like to check out any Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. And as always, if you can, leave us a rating or review and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time, tight lines. Thank you.